You're listening to PodcastJuice.net. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Prince Podcast here right now. With your host, Michael Dean and Q Storm. Q, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Doing good. All right. And we have a special uh, extended family today. We've got uh, Big Sexy and Zach. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic. Ready to go. All right, and we also have another special guest today, Mr. Brandon. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, guys. How are you all doing? Doing excellent, man. Thanks for joining us. Yes, yes. Now, on um, Facebook, I was recently uh, throwing some stuff out there, and I was bringing up uh, Miley Cyrus. You hear a lot about her in the news uh, online a lot. Apparently, right now, I think there's like some open letter from Sinead O'Connor addressing Miley Cyrus and Miley Cyrus has responded. And now I just saw today, Sinead O'Connor has another open letter to the young woman. And, you know, Miley Cyrus, I'm sure you already know, but, you know, she's now known for like doing things like twerking, very sort of sexualized uh, image and antics uh, on stage and photographs and different things. Uh, And apparently, you know, I understand a little bit of her history. I know that she was famous from being on the Disney Channel. I know she had the uh, Hannah Montana was her persona was a character she played. It was a TV show. Um, I really know Hannah Montana because I used when I used to work at Target uh, years ago, all her merchandise was always in like the bed area. And I was like, what is this? Hannah Montana was everywhere. And it had like this little cutout of this little white girl. And I was like, oh, okay, well. This must be what the kids are into right now. You know, what? A, it was right next to the Toy Story merchandise. So it's like, whatever. So now she has, you know, left the show or the show ended. And now she's grown and somewhat. And now she's on a mission to change her image. And, you know, she's, in my eyes, lightly following in sort of the pathways of a Madonna, um, Pink, or whoever. You know, there's always sort of that. Or Britney Spears, you know, sort of the white girl who was just pushing the boundaries. And I'm not saying musically she's on a level of Madonna. She's not. But in terms of what she's doing, there's a lot of the same sort of stuff. Um, but there's a lot to talk about it. And I was talking online. And I just kind of was thinking. I was like, well, and I asked the question. I said, well, what if Prince, like, say, Dirty Mind Prince, if he came out today and he was on the VMAs, and bikini, you know, the bikini thong singing sister. I mean, it would be just as salacious and ridiculous. He might not have had the history of Miley Cyrus, but I was I sort of bringing that up to say, I mean, he did probably far more wilder stuff than she could ever do at this point. And, you know, he's heralded as a legend. And he, I mean, he was the original ratchet. <laughs> in, in my opinion, I was like, he basically one of the guys who created sort of the blueprint for her sort of caricature. I mean, he created Vanity Six, you know, Vanity, you know, basically taking a woman and I love me some Vanity, but not really that talented as a singer. And I'm here. I'm going to give give you the jam. I'm going to write it, craft it. I want you to be the most sexualized character as possible. And put it out there, right? I mean, he has a history of doing that. Carmen, Carmen Electra is another one. And I, was like, and I was saying Carmen is probably even more so the prototype for Molly Cyrus, Little Kim, and all these other. I mean, here he is, literally, he's sort of has, he's taking that sort of uh, not spoken in a mainstream sort of uh, thing that some black men do. Like, I'm going to get that white girl. <laughs> Let me go get the get that young. That's my young white girl. What's the movie? Samuel Jackson sort of says this in in one of those Quentin Tarantino movies. Where he, oh, that's my oh, little, my yeah. little white girl. So I mean, he sort of. I'm a, and then you know the Mac, the movie the Mac. Obviously, he does that. He has the white girl. Let me go get that white girl. Uh, I'm a I'm gonna make her a rapper. <laughs> she don't know nothing about rapping, and she's a stripper. And that's and and this is the musical god, super talent prince wasting his time putting that out when it was crap. But I mean, it's no more crap than to me, Molly Cyrus. So I, I was just throwing it out there to say, hey, he was kind of really doing all of this stuff early on. But we've seemed to forgot about that. But anyway, let's go to Brandon. What, what's your thoughts? What, 
What do you think? Is, is a guy like Prince sort of responsible in a very loose, loose way of sort of opening the environment for this sort of stuff? And then I also posted on uh, Facebook last night the MTV Get Off performance. And, and as I said on Facebook, that was very dope, the music and stuff. But we never, ever, 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 ever need to see a, <laughs> see a black man with his bare ass out on stage on national TV. That should never, ever, ever, ever happen again. But go ahead. Yeah, um, yeah just to... Uh, I, I, see, this is the thing with Miley Cyrus. I just think that she... I, I want to say that she's a Negrophile, in a way. A Negrophile? A Negro file. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm ignorant. Go ahead. In the sense that I don't, I'm not understanding her impact right now. I don't understand why people are so um, adamant and, or immediate to grab toward her because she's doing nothing shocking, you know, as as people make it out to be, as a lot of these pop. Uh, culturalists make it out to be. Um, as far as Prince is concerned, I don't think Prince is really responsible. I think Prince, what Prince did, Prince was kind of like, he, he put it out there, but he put it out there in a different way, in a different sense that we, I don't think music uh, musicians even know what that is or pop culturalists know what that is. I think Prince really put it in a way where it was his style. It was his image. You know, you had your Rick James, you had your, well, I I don't want to put Michael Jackson in that equation because, you know, Michael Jackson was a different type, but Rick, you know, him and and, uh, Rick James were kind of like the first ones to really like put it out there to a new audience. Before that, it was Lil Richard and, uh, Joe Tex or James Brown. I mean, he, I mean, basically Prince was the one that really put his own spin on it. And I don't think he can be solely responsible. I think this is more on, well, in, in Miley, uh, Miley, Miley Cyrus, is that her name? Miley Cyrus? Yeah. In Miley Cyrus' uh, case, she is just doing something that's really recycled. Uh, it's no different than what Madonna did, but even Madonna put her own spin on it. I think what Miley is doing is she's doing it for attention, if anything. So I don't, I, I can't really connect the two with Miley and Prince and Madonna. I mean, it's really just a recycled, rehashed thing. I, I would agree that it's, it's recycled, but I, I, I still would argue that, and, and maybe saying responsible is not the right word. I'm not saying he's not responsible, but I mean, I'm just saying in the, in the context of what Prince was doing versus what they're doing today, his, to me, aside from like Luke Skywalker, you know, Two Live Crew or something, was probably even, I don't know the right, if the right word to say, far more salacious in the sense that it was so mainstream. Mm. And like he was saying some wild stuff until he sort of self-censored himself down a little bit. But, you know, the Dirty Mind album and just some of the themes that he's talking about, you know, head, you know, there is no other... You know, I mean, if he wanted to sing it now, he may try to throw a spiritual spin and say it was something else. But he was very direct in what he was talking about. And, <laughs> and you know what? You know what? That's the thing. That's the thing. I think Prince was able to really put his own spin on it. Like he was able to do what Marvin Gaye did back in the day. You know, put a spiritual, um, you know, spin on things. Put a spiritual shift on things. And right, but there was really no didn't... spiritual spin on the Dirty Mind record that I remember. Oh, no, no, no. Right. I mean, but but on the next, I think on the next record, controversy it was really when we really got a more idea of this. Okay, this guy is pretty much nuts because you know if <laughs> right. you can if you can put uh, the Lord's Prayer on controversy where you're talk where you're just going in on critics about you him being gay and him being uh, all this stuff. You know, you can put the Lord's Prayer. That was really like shocking back in the day. Then he turned it around, even with Purple Rain, when he was, you know, he put it the Lord's Prayer in reverse. So he had a lot of spiritual themes. I think with Prince, in Prince's case, he could back it up with pretty much anything that he did. He could back up what he was doing. And I think with Miley, someone of a Miley Cyrus, I think she is just going on a again this negro foul. Like she wants to really be part, assimilate into black culture. 
and I and I have a I personally have a problem with it. I know sure. that's another topic for another day. But no, but that I, that's good because to me. That's what Prince did with Carmen Electra, in a sense. Yeah. He's the black guy in the background as, like, Will I Made It, or what's well, not Will I Made It, Mike Will It, or whoever the producer that's producing Miley stuff. Same thing, I say this with respect, Dre to Eminem, but it's the gifts. Let me go get the black dude to co-sign this white artist. Like, so here I'm literally going to get this white girl I I want to make her a rapper and I want to make her a sexualized stripper rapper. So, but when she has no business in hardly any of that, but I'm just saying he he was doing the same sort of thing. Um go I'm going to go to Big Sexy. What what are your some of your thoughts on this? Well, I think, you know, Brandon really hit it on the head. This is about Miley and a lot of the uh controversy about her is all about look at me. That happens in AM bubblegum all the time. Now, when you look at Prince back in, you know, 80, it wasn't mainstream. Because I, I remember when Dirty Man came out when I was in high school and I heard uh, Uptown. I'm like, okay, is that the guy from – oh, yeah, cool. And then we all heard Head. We're like, whoa, what the fuck is going on here? But even with all the bikini draws and leg warmers and all that, it was never about look at me to look at me. It was about look at me, listen to what I'm doing. You don't think never, the look of him was laying, saying, look at me, though? Like, his image was saying, look at me? I'm you know, in a at that brief. time, in 1980 and 81, not really. I mean, it was, don't, don't get me wrong, he was further out there. But people were doing that post-punk, uh, early new wave stuff. So this was all just, but a black, it was all about being f- But a black, black artist, was yeah. a black artist doing that, though? Hey, but see, he wasn't being embraced by a lot of the black, art, uh, black uh, community either. N- yes, he was. Nah, not here. When when Dirty Mind came out, they're like, "Whoa, that's too much." As I've said on the Prince podcast many times, when I was I went to Houston, Texas, Fourth Ward, Fourth Ward Ghetto, Houston, Texas. <laughs> All they played was Dirty Mind. Trust me, they was very embraced. And, I, is, I, and because he, Prince was banned, it was almost like an unwritten rule from older black people. For, for older black people, don't play that bullshit in my house. That's why the more the, but the kids was on. You tell the kids they can't hear it, they got to go have it. Bottom line. True. You know, and so since he wasn't doing what everybody else was doing, and he was running around in the draws and all that, that's fine. But it was still always about the music. It was about where am I going with my music? It wasn't about bullshit. And with Miley Cyrus, she was on stage with another bullshit singer, uh, Adam Thicke or Robin Thicke, whatever the fuck his name is. (laughs) Another bullshit singer. (laughs) Wow. So, no, there's no, for me, there's no genuine artistic credibility or expression there. All they're doing is look at us. And with with Thicke and this whole thing with Marvin Gaye's estate, bullshit too. They're not, neither one of them is about the music. Prince, as wacky as he has been, has always been about getting his music out. And at the time, he did it. If he did that now, would there be backlash? I doubt it because BET and a lot of the black entertainment conglomerates wouldn't show it because my beef with BET, I've said this for years, they have never once shown living color on there. So fuck them. So Prince would have got his thing out there anyway. It would have been looked at. People would have said, okay, is he nuts? Let's listen because he's not going to talk to us. And just let it go from there. All right. Q Storm, you have any thoughts on this? Well, let me just say, I, I know uh, I'm dealing with some heavyweights here when it comes to talking about Prince, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in as a featherweight. But, uh, Copy, I, please. Go ahead. My, uh, <laughs> my opinion is, if the question is, would Prince, be, would Prince be allowed to come out in bikini briefs today and sing about his sister and head and all that, I, I, I think he would, he would be very much relegated to the underground. I don't think he'd be mainstream. Uh, in today's world. Uh, and, and I mean, that's the same with TV, film. I mean, a lot of things back then in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, they, they, they amazingly pushed the boundaries and we, we've drawn back from that. So I don't know if he would be able to be as out there as he was back then. But if we look at Prince back in the 80s and, and ask the question, is he responsible? And I think you you kind of pulled it back from that word responsible. I think the, I think what you want to say is, did he kind of usher in this this um, what yeah, we see now? Mm-hmm. And I, I I would say yes, but the thing is, 
and I'm sure you guys will back me up. Prince had talent. Bingo. He could he could write a song about this girl he met masturbating with a magazine. <laughs> it just and sounds so absurd. Is, Go ahead. The shit is dope. That's the thing. And the thing with Prince is every now and then he would he would just put it out there, you know. Uh, you know, darling Nikki, you know, I remember first, the first time I remember hearing something quote unquote salacious in a song was let's pretend we're married when he talks mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. fucking a taste. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, but, but see, that's, that was as far, that was kind of as far as he went on wax. Everything else sexual to a certain degree, like you had Lady Cab Driver where <laughs> I mean, I knew some. I knew some brothers that couldn't listen to that song. <laughs> Doesn't he insinuate but, raping someone in? Um, uh, Lady something, something in the water. He says, "I'm, I'm, I'm, I'm the, about to rape you." One of those songs on that album. He says that's very sort of, in, you know, a lot of that's noise going we're on. Married. Yeah. Okay. There you go. But anyway, go but, ahead. I don't, really? Yeah. Really. I, don't, I wouldn't get rape out of that. Oh, no, he says it. Oh shit! If he said it. Shout out, shout out to Rick, Rick Ross. Yeah. Uh, I know he says I want to fuck you. Oh yeah, he did say that. No, he does. He say doesn't say I want to. I'm about to taste out of your. Yeah, he says something about the taste out of your. There's, mouth. Gonna, there's one of those songs. I, I swear. <sighs> now I know. Now I'll, I'll openly say this because I know somebody. The hardcore would destroy me. If he does not say that on one of those songs on this album, which I'm pretty sure he does, then. It is an outtake, which it may be like, I want to say extra lovable, lovable or something like there's one of those songs in that era where he says, I'll have to rape you now. See, it's starting to come into my head as I'm saying it. Isn't it saying, something in the water, isn't it? Or, I, I remember he said torture you now, but I was listening yeah. to that torture. No, yeah, no, I'm this distinctively it's him. But anyway, I don't want to get caught up on that. But, Make but, but, but putting that aside, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, all of his stuff, other than you know, Lady Cab Driver, Let's Pretend We're Married, the more obvious stuff, and Erotic City, which was a B side. What made what made Prince get over was one, he had talent. Two, his lyrics were so clever. It was a lot of the sex was metaphorically implied. So I don't know that for me personally, that gets you over. If you're going to be salacious, I mean, today's artists they basically say. I wanna I mean I don't wanna get too crude on the show. There's no subtlety at all. Prince had talent, he was playing instruments, he was recording, he was producing, and so he was he was he was something that couldn't be denied. And you know, it was a different time. So he may have helped usher it usher it in, but it's been bastardized, it's been commodified, and you know, the foolishness is being packaged and sold. And we are stupid enough to buy it today, whether the artists are talented or not. So that's that's pretty much all I have to say. All right, and and I stand corrected. It was extra lovable, the original version. Uh, I'm looking at the lyrics. You can look it up. He says, "I'm on the verge of rape." I don't think you heard me. I don't think you heard me. I'm on the verge of rape. I'm on the. So anyway, but I agree with what you said, Q Storm. And I, I just going to say is, I would say and and listen, I I'm like one of the biggest Prince supporters of the world. So don't think I'm bashing Prince. I'm just having conversations. I think that we're giving him a pass because he is so talented. <laughs> and and I, I say that to say that's cool, but it does matter. Like, cause the same thing I remember like in the late eighties, 88 and when like, uh, two lot, not too likely, but, uh, NWA and ice cube and them was really hitting. I remember there was a lot of pushback from hip hop heads. It was like, that's some bullshit what they're talking about. Like we ain't playing that. And then I remember when cube America most wanted came out, and it was like, you know what? They are talking some bullshit, but that music is so filthy and it's so dope. The delivery and everything is so tight. Just let it ride, man. And then I think Dre gets the same. Dre got the same pass with the chronic. Like the stuff they're talking about is so irresponsibly ridiculous for our for us. But it is told in such a dope ass way in the rhythms. And I mean, that's what we do in music that we let it go. And it's a, he's a pass because they're so talented. And I think Prince is the same thing. Early Prince. Like, yeah, he was hella talented. Talented enough where he really probably didn't have to do all that to get noticed. But maybe he did and figured he had to go that route. But at the same point, I, 
he was so talented, which makes it, in my opinion, worse because the shit that he plays in his songs are so intoxicatingly good. You don't know what you're singing. And you just disregard what the themes of the songs are about because it's so dope. And that's what we did. I mean, a lot. I was thinking about a lot of that stuff I was listening to at that sort of age. Probably shouldn't have been listening to it, but it was so dope. Like it's like you didn't. I didn't realize that's what he was talking about because he was very slick in what he was saying back then. But it does start. To, I do believe that it starts to seep into your head, and it's almost like desensitizing yourself to certain things. You hear it so much, like you know what? It's okay to wear the camisole. It's okay to be a little more promiscuous and doing some of the things. You might not have been ready to deal with at that time mentally, but he was on some whole other stuff, but it was so dope that we ate it up. Now, so I, so again, like, you know, Purple Rain is a great example. I think where my white folks was like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) 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 Yeah, this shit is good. And it's being pumped all over the place. But what was her name? Tipper Gore. Tipper Gore. So you ain't going to have my kids singing that craziness. Like, we're not having it. Now it's a problem. Now we're going to change the music industry to put a, a sticker on it because we let y'all play that mess for the last 10 years in the black community. But uh, before he becomes accepted here, no, we're going to change the game because this clown ain't going to be saying this mess with our kids singing it. And, you know, Prince changed his image after that point and toned them records down. He was not as raw as Purple Rain was the last one. We were like real raw. Lyrically, I disagree. What, what other ones after Purple Rain where he was like explicit you know, stuff? He slipped in, and I still laugh at this on the song "New Position." He actually True. spells out the word "pussy." I agree. I'm like, whoa, and it doesn't fit with the rest of the album. And, but, and you don't you know, even notice it. It's so no, slick, you know. though. I mean, he had to get very, very slick at that point. Okay, hey, hold on, fellas. Y'all gonna have to revoke my Prince card. Where in the hell does he spell out "pussy" and? New position. Uh, okay, stop the show. Stop the show. Mine, One mine. second. Oh, you. That was your card being revoked. Okay, go somebody want to go ahead and tell them. Please tell me. There's a line that says, and I'm going to butcher some vocals, so fuck y'all in advance. He's all, I can make you H-A-P-P-Y. And then he's all, something like be your papa, and right underneath that, P-U-S-S-Y. Oh, yes. Yeah. Don't you do it like a good man should? All right, enough of that. <laughs> I know exactly the part you're talking about. Okay, I guess I got to break out my stereophonic headphones. <laughs> Q, you are slipping, man. Oh, man. First Ernie with the glee, now this? Hilarious. What is going on here? <laughs> well, you know, well, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll never forget back in college when uh, my roommate, uh, the song, remember the song, uh, Marvin Gaye song, um, Sanctified Lady? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember he said he he loved that song because Marvin Gaye says uh I need some sanctified pussy and I told him I said, What are you what? That's in the biography, yeah. And he played it he played it for him. I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I I ain't mad at him, but wow. <laughs> and you know, I'm glad you brought up Marvin. I mean it it's something that's always been going on in music and talented or not. Yeah, it's easier to give a person a pass when they're supremely talented. But we know nowadays the talent pool, the threshold for entry is so low. Uh, so, yeah, they're not going to you know, musically be on the caliber of the greats. But you'll have a Molly Cyrus or whoever, a Britney Spears, if you want to throw that in there. They, they're going to, st- like you, somebody said, they're just recycling what has been done before. I mean, I think now it's the other part of it, too, is like everything is so blasted in our face so quick and so fast that it it's going to get a, a very big uh, attention and then sort of fade. Where else? Obviously, back when I say a prince was coming up, he had years of sort of being under the micro, you know, being off of the grid, doing all this crazy stuff. But when it was like, OK, brother, it's superstar showtime, you know, it cleaned up. And he, he switched it. You know, let me tone that down a little bit. And and then, you know, so it wasn't such a big deal. Because, you know, on one hand, he probably would not have blown to the level that he ended up being if he had kept his stuff as raw as, you know, Controversy, Dirty Mind, and even the, uh, uh, 1999. That, that Prince probably would have never excelled to the super high echelon if he had just still kept it hardcore raw. 
like even Purple Rain, the movie is a great example. If they would have probably showed us the Purple Rain that they shot <laughs> versus what we saw, probably wouldn't have came out, right? You had to cut some of them scenes down. It was a little too much, bro. Like you can't, you, you not, we ready to make some big money here. And, it, but today, it's a very interesting question because today it's super raw, right? For a lot of sort of hip hop culture, the lyrics is skeet, skeet, skeet is, is mainstream. The hell does that mean? <laughs> um, uh, ejaculation. Oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Ejaculation now. on a person's face or, or on the person. Yeah, yeah. You didn't, oh, wait, now see, though, wait a minute, that's not fair. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that. Whoa, 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 but we don't do the skeet, skeet, skeet <laughs> podcast. We do the Prince podcast. You need to be up on that. <laughs> the ski 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 pie. whoa pause there's too many men on the line hey, let me ask you real quick uh, um is there any you know this this is still piggybacking on you know prince and his his uh his whole methodology right but uh is it true is there any truth to the what i read that um he originally wanted to call vanity six vagina six yep yeah yeah, he was a wild boy. <laughs> yeah, he was. He definitely was. But as you say, I mean, mad talented. So, I mean, you know, it. as somebody said, he, he was able to back it up. Um, or we let it, we just decided to, you know, give it a set of ups. But see, I don't think he actually, he didn't get a pass, really. Again, in him, I was reading a Questlove book the other day, and, and he talks about it throughout the book where, you know, he had to sneak those Prince records repeatedly and every time his parents saw he had it psh, rip him up because it was just too much and even even our parents you know black folks who was from the stevie era the marvin Gaye, all that they was like man we know the funk we know dope music but this brother right here the hell is he doing <laughs> like he's look, look crazy i remember my you know my my uh was it the controversy they had the poster in the album from the shower Yep. And my cousin had that poster on the wall. We was in Houston. My grandma came in that room, didn't know Nan Prince, but saw that picture. <laughs> get, like, get the hell out of here. Get this out of here. Who is this clown? I just laughed. I, I, I knew a little bit about him. I just said, uh, ah. But, you know, I, I think he realized he had to change it up. And maybe a Molly Cyrus and, and even a Madonna. She was able to parlay her thing into being sort of respectable icon of the game, even though she was doing some real. I remember the sex book. I mean, she had some. What was it justifying my love? Yeah. I mean, she had some wild stuff that these kids, my Rihanna's and them, they haven't gone that wild. Uh, now, they don't have that talent. To right. Make it up. Well, they, they, see, it, it ain't about the talent. Themselves. I mean, they again. I think the person who's went the wildest and she's not in the music game and I'm waiting for a rapper or somebody to go there. Well, I guess I have to give it to Ray J. Like that's the, <laughs> the example of the game. Now it's like, I saw this funny picture today. It was, it's, it's sad, but it was a picture of Kim Kardashian. Excuse me. This is an adult show. And somebody photoshopped a black dick in her mouth. And then <laughs> they had <laughs> on top of it, you know, it was a picture of her from today, you know, with Kanye. And I was like, damn. But that's her entry point to <laughs> where she is at today, literally. Like, and, and so I was like, well, that's where it's at. I mean, but anyway, any last things anybody wants to throw in on this? Well, I, I was just going to say real quick, and we have to remember that. I think you touched on this, Mike, that the reason Miley Cyrus is making waves is because it was a live performance. I mean, you know, I don't know what a record sound sounds like, and I never will, because I will not buy it. I will not listen to it for free. But um, all the stuff that she's being known, she's known for now, is her live stuff that you know millions of people across the world are, uh, across the world are seeing. And if you think about it, to arg- arguably Prince, again, it goes back to the talent. Because I think I'm thinking about you know um, in his con- Purple Rain concert. He simulates um, ejaculation, but it's with his guitar. Skeet, skeet. So it kind of like he gets over on that because it's a little clever. Um, he simulates head with, uh, is it Lisa or, or it's Lisa in uh, Computer Blue, right? Wendy. Wendy. It's Wendy. Okay. Your card was revoked. Go ahead. 
<laughs> but I, I, but then uh, you, you look at the music behind it, and then you see Molly Cyrus come on stage with her tongue out, Ugh. and it's just well, that's another. She's disgusting. That's another issue, though. But there's no talent to back it up live. You know what I mean? There's no performance there. Sure, I mean, you could at least I, call, I agree. You could, you could at least call what Prince did performance art. That's right. But you can't you can't call what Molly Cyrus did art at all. Uh, I mean, yeah, again, I agree. You know, art is not. Highly beholder, um, I, I will say you know Miley's, and it's the same thing with a lot of people. You know she does have a song out. I think the producer now has a song out. Brandon may know that. Is, it, is his name is Mike Will made it? Is that the producer's name? He's a really hot producer, hip hop R and B producer. But he has a song out, and it features Miley Cyrus and I think like Wiz Khalifa and a few other people. And he's produced most of her album. He's produced a lot of the sort of bigger songs of the last year and a half, maybe two. But it's the same sort of thing, man. It's almost, it's like she doesn't really have to know how to sing at this point because in the studio, they're going to make her the jams. At least that apply to kids in, the, in that audience. And they sound, the record that I saw, the video, if, you, if I had not have seen who was singing it, I would have thought, well, this is just another, you know, uh, trap joint twerk song sound like juice and juicy J is on and some i mean it sounds just like the the, the quote-unquote legitimate r&b rappers of today but it's her on it i mean they've so she's gonna win only because it sound they got the people who make the cuts of today to do her stuff just like again i say this loosely like eminem now eminem backs it up because the boy can really rap his ass off but it's not going to hurt him to have the most illest hip-hop producer ever to do his music to make sure that those dope raps will blow irregardless. So even if he couldn't rap as good, they were going to have a hit song if you got Dre doing it. Uh, same thing with the Robin Thicke. Well, I'm going to get Pharrell, and I'm Pharrell's going to sample Marvin Gaye. We're going to make this a hit, whether he can really sing soulfully or not. I mean, he's had many albums out before, but now he blows, right? Justin Timberlake's the same sort of way. I give some respect to Justin Timberlake, but at the end of the day, if you was to snatch away Pharrell and Timberland from his projects, would he really be blowing up? Will we really be? Will people be bumping it for real? It's not that he he don't have no real soul to it. He got the illest people to doing his music and producing them records. I give him full point on that. That's what a producer supposed to do. But at the end of the day, if you turn that music off. And you put him on there, and you put, you know, you grab, she even grab Usher. You put them back to back, who you think is going to out blow the other person? Just on an on a emotional performance level. No different, you know, I was watching uh, my man Tommy Sotomayor, and they were talking about um, when George Michael, uh, he had a duet with Aretha Franklin. Yeah, I remember that and song. And you're like, what the hell is he doing on that? I mean, George Michael, he's big, but when you strip away it all, you, she'll blow his ass out the water. And he has a record with Smokey Robinson. Who you think got blown out of the water on that record? What's that about, blow, what's that about getting well, blown out? Well, no, I'm just saying in terms of you, you'd be like, why is he on this record? Because he has a love for that music, for that craft. Right, but that, I'm just saying know, in terms of sense. his talent, he shouldn't, if you were just a, I mean, when you listen to his records, by himself and in his arena, perfect. But when you put, is it to be like if you took his records and you had a real motherfucker sing them songs? I disagree with you 100%, Mike. I, go ahead. I tell you what, one of the best recordings I've ever heard, and I don't say that lightly, it was, uh, I forget the year, but it was not the first Motown at the Apollo. It was the second one, which was an almost to me was a better production than the first one with Michael Jackson on it, but George Michael and Stevie Wonder did a duet, uh, Love's in Need of Love Today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. George that. Michael, I mean, well, you know, Stevie Wonder, so we're going, I'm going to keep it 100, but if you put aside the Stevie Wonder factor, George <laughs> Michael stood toe-to-toe with Stevie, and as a matter of fact, Stevie did his, the first verse, and then George Michael came in on the, on the B part of that verse, and the crowd stood up and clapped. Because they so, unexpected him to be that good. But I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say that's correct. He, he, he can hold his own. But 
majority of the time, the other person I may throw on there would be like my man from Hall and Oates. Like, oh, yeah. He really oh, got yeah. some stuff to it. But I'm just, I mean, I'm really talking about JT, Robin Thicke. That, I just it's haven't just, heard the real soulful well, I, I think joint. Robin, Go ahead. Personally, I, I don't think, I, I don't think, putting aside Robin Thicke's latest, re, most recent actions, which were kind of dick moves, I, I think he's very talented. Yeah, I, I think Robin has some gems. I, I think this one is really, okay, him just having his breakthrough moment, and now he has to have some controversy. It was a, that was a wrong move for him to make to put a lawsuit on Marvin Gaye, but I, I just, I think he's talented, but I don't, I don't know what direction Robin Thicke wants to go into as an artist. I, I hate to do this, but what is, so you take Robin, and I think he's talented too. I'm just throwing this up, sake of argument, but Robin Thicke, in that position, you know, he's in that R&B <laughs> star position, right? But who should really, but who would you have rather have be there? Robin Thicke or D'Angelo or Maxwell? Yeah, but, 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 but they're different, but they're different in a way. Aren't they both all, I mean, in terms of they're all sort of R&B sort of soul singers though, right? They are, but I think Robin has more of a pop flair to him. A bit of a pop player. I think D'Angelo, I, I, most definitely D'Angelo and Maxwell, but the market has never been that way. I guess I don't understand the premise of the question. Why, why, I mean, why is there a need to introduce a choice? I'm not well, sure. I, I know. I, I guess the thing is, there's usually always, um, it hasn't been that much now, but there's always, to me, in my opinion, always been that very dominant R&B slash pop male person who was the dawn of the game at any particular time you know uh, of course mj shut him down prince shut him down um uh, bobby brown you know he was the man at his time i i think most of these singers are sort of trying to just follow what he did was bobby yeah usher and then what did justin timberlake take that crown but 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 you got to consider that go ahead I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying you have Justin Timberlake. Uh, he he fell. He went back, uh, did some other things for a while. But who's sort of that? I, I just I guess my thing is, you don't you don't really see, and maybe I don't know everything. I don't. <laughs> but there's not like that one sort of like everybody got this record, and I'm not gonna even bring up Michael Jackson and Prince. Well, you're not gonna. You'll but, never see that again, no matter how talented. You don't think <laughs> you don't think there's music that. At least that's just dope that people will be like, oh, I know that cut. Now, there are cuts that there's like a J.T. Oh, oh, oh. What the hell was the that? The hell was that? What is, that's, that wasn't me. <laughs> I was scared of shit out of me. Did we lose Brandon? Yes. Did we lose Brandon? What the hell was that? I have no idea what that was. <laughs> Sound like somebody had a chalupa. <laughs> That was very weird. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay, but... Do you hear that? There's also that scratching noise. Yeah. Yeah. Who's trying to scratch? Check, check. I don't know. That's weird. All right. But there was... (laughs) It seemed like there's always sort of that record that was cross-genre. Like... And it's usually an R&B record or a black record. That so so it's the R and B world has bought it, the pop world has bought it. But then you have people that may have been other sort of country and different things, and they know that song too. But you rarely would see any of those other genres where the ar- urban audience bought it. Like I don't think you'll ever see that again. You don't think that ever happened? You don't think there's just people that are? Looking, go ahead. But, I'm done. Let, let me let me let me explain myself. I I, I don't think you'll ever see that. Again, that one artist who cuts across, I mean, maybe Adele did it, but I, and it, arguably because the music buying public is so fragmented now and there's so many different distribution models, you'll, it'll be impossible to judge anything about that. I will make an exception. I think we still have a penchant to want to get that summer track that's going to be hot for the summer and, and maybe we bang that into like the late fall, which this year was Blurred Lines. Last year it was... Um, that Pharrell track, I can't think of the name of it right now, but well, we're talking yeah. about yeah. pop yeah. records to be, you know, so pop records, everybody sort of has, but again, 
I think it's easier because now we all can hear about this same huge pop person. They're on the forefront. But Brandon, but, but, you were going to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, but but see, here's the thing. When Michael and I agree, I agree strongly with Q. I think when Mike broke through, it was kind of like an event. It was kind of like MTV. That right. was like yeah. the that was the catalyst. I mean, there's that big argument: Did MTV make Michael Jackson, or did Michael Jackson make MTV? That was the that was the catalyst for Michael Jackson's whole breakthrough. Period. I mean, yeah, there was BT. You know, they had the off the wall. I mean, they were still playing off the wall videos, the Triumph, and but when Thriller broke through, I mean, it really broke through. I don't think we'll ever get that type of a moment again. You don't think like hip hop has done that sort of same thing? I mean, how many Kanye. how many people know? I know kids who listen to rock who know the words to Easy E's records, who know the words to Dre's songs, Snoop songs. I mean, those songs are cross genre albums but again there's nothing from the other side that crosses over into the urban world that you know to the level of that other stuff does that's my point i'm like where is that dominant thing that everybody is like this is the ish irregardless of what you into you know about that you know that's you know maybe eminem to some degree probably was that last guy where we, kanye, everybody had I, I that put kanye in there. okay maybe kanye maybe even though I'm not a big Kanye fan, I'll definitely put Kanye in that. But Kanye still, I think in some way, a guy like Kanye or Eminem, I don't think that they'll have that same... I, I, I get what you're saying about the cross-genre and the, the cross-influence from even the a suburban white kids. Yeah. and uh, Exactly. Jay-Z, a perfect example. I, I, I get it from that standpoint. Because I think hip-hop in general, we have to give respect to those artists who for better or worse, have influenced a wider audience from the suburbia kids to, of course, the black kids. So, I, you know, that that's a big uh, thing in itself. All right. Hey, can I ask you guys a quick question? Go ahead. Uh, going back to Prince, I, I just found myself thinking about this, and, and Big Sexy, you, you made a little joke that made me think this. Would you say there's ever been an artist, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you who I think has done it, who has covered a Prince song and did it better than Prince. And I'm going to say uh, Shaka Khan Mm. made I Feel For You her song. When I hear that song, I don't really think of Prince anymore. Has anyone else ever done that? Yeah, I would definitely give it a Prince song? Has anyone covered a a Prince song? Well, Sinead, o- well, Sinead O'Connor. Oh, hell no. Nah. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I think, well, I'm just saying, I think. It's hella you know, popular, though. It, if it, you, say, if you say nothing compares to you, more people are going to think of Sinead O'Connor than the family. That's Only funny, because they never, heard, yeah, they never yeah. heard that album, but you're Paul talking about who owns the song, though? I well, think, I'm just saying, okay, has, would you say anyone has ever covered a Prince song and made it their own? Did, did it even better? Maybe Melissa Morgan as well. Uh well I would agree with you with Shaka Khan I would sort of throw in um uh, she's always in my hair a little bit I don't know if he did it better but I rather would hear that D'Angelo version musically if I saw it live than I hear Prince's version but I think Shaka Khan was the winner go ahead uh, you know I gotta agree because I mean that I hear that Shaka Khan song or excuse me I feel for you. But see, I mean, granted, it's not hers. We all know this. But it wasn't a, a major hit by any leap for Prince. So I could see hers being the preferred version because it was something different. And it blew up. It really blew up. And he, when he does it in concert, it's not even close to how hers sounds. So, but better, he wrote it. So nobody can do it better. Because when I was little, I used to tell my mom that, well, Van Halen's version of You Really Got Me is better than the Kinks. No, it's just different because they didn't write it. I mean, I prefer it, but I, I think it can somebody I, you, you can do something better. You know, I think the great example for me is uh, Brothers Johnson, Strawberry Letter 23. Like that's not theirs. No, that's Shuggy Otis. No, that's Shuggy. Oh, shit. And I love me some Shuggy Otis, but I, I have to give that. them credit. They blew that joint down. <laughs> like, well, you know, you, you, you just schooled me again. I didn't know that. Yeah, go Maybe. look it up on YouTube. Have you, okay, I know y'all going 
slap me when I say this, but have you <laughs> have you heard Tevin Campbell's version of what? Oh, uh, I mean, uh, in some oh, sense, that's Lord. the original version, but I like his version. Actually, I, I kind of like that too. I have to leave Tevin alone. That's not bad. Okay, all right. But I'm going to leave it alone at that. <laughs> what do you think, Brandon? Hey, hey, let me ask you guys uh, uh, this. Uh, yeah. what, what about, uh, sh- how do you say the song? Shh, that song. Did Tevin do it better? No. No. Well, hell, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> no. I, you know, I listened to it recently. It is still dope, though, what he does in context of where he was and his career. And, like, that was such a drastic sort of different thing for him. I still think his performance is filthy. You know, in terms of Prince, when he did that on that concert with the guitar and stuff, I mean, he wrote it and he does a very supreme sort of performance of it. But I still like Tevin's too. Though. I don't. He didn't do it better, but. But he 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 recorded it first, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He Tevin. came out with it first. Now, if Kevin, excuse me, Kevin. Now, if Tevin would have, I would have really have loved to hear if Tevin had the balls to walk out there on that stage. You know, uh, and I'm talking about that. Um, it was the uh, All Star Weekend in Minnesota when Prince did the Beautiful Experience sort of concert, and he performs that live. He, Tevin was there, but for whatever reason, he didn't want to come out. He didn't want no part of that. You <laughs> but know. if he would have came out, it would have been very interesting to hear how it would have sounded with both of them. If if Prince even would have sung on it, if he didn't. but It would have ended up sounding like Alicia Keys trying to sing a door. That's why he didn't come out. Uh. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I'm glad he said that. You know, I, I want to throw up two more things. Two more things. Um, Esperanza Spalding's version of If I Was a Girlfriend was bad on BET Awards. I have to give that up. Was now, was it better? I don't know, but it was. That's what I hear when I hear that song now, because she tore it up. Okay. And now I'm going to go a little obscure here for for the real Prince heads. The Maserati version of Good Man is better mm-hmm. than Prince's version of Good Man. There it is. I've actually never heard that. Oh man, you slipped. Wow, slipping. you got me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they did that. Interesting. Oh yeah, they they tore it up. Okay. Um, did you have anything, Brandon? Oh, you, know you know what I did hear um, that I thought <laughs> was, I forget who was, I think uh, D-Bird played it on his show. I heard um, it was either 100 miles per hour or Kiss. It must have been. 100 miles per hour, probably. That, that's a far oh, no, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I heard Prince's version of 100 miles per hour, which yeah. was pretty dope. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Brandon, did you have any? Um, I was thinking of that Jill Jones joint, uh, from the, uh, I forget what that was called. Um, it was from the second Prince album, um, oh. Slow Cut. Uh, oh, With You? Is that with You. With You, yeah. I, I was thinking about that one, but I don't think she did it better. But it was it was pretty dope on its own. Yeah. Jill's, Jill's crazy, though. We all know this. Uh, <laughs> those are the I'm words. wrong. I, I, I'm not, can't, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> No comment. Um, all right. Man, I was just trying to think of any other covers. What were some of the worst Prince covers? I would throw Genuine. It's when Doves Cry in the mix. Alicia Keys, um, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore. Mm. That was- oh, really? I, I like that. that. I kind of like that. I don't like it. Can we count, uh, can we count, um, MC Hammer sampling uh, When Doves Cry. No, it's not a cover, though. <laughs> okay, let me, let me shut this down right now. Jordan Knight, I can never take the place oh, there, man. Oh, Lord. There it is. And isn't that produced by Jam and Lewis? No. I swear it is. Let me have to look it no. up. Jordan Knight. Is that the chick from... Uh, uh, <laughs> no, he used to be in New Kids on the Block. <laughs> oh, well, that's Jordan McKnight. That's why I got it confused. Is it McKnight? You're thinking Jordan Sparks? Oh, I'm thinking Brian McKnight. Brian McKnight. Shut up. <laughs> if he Jam and Lewis produced that, produce that serious? yeah. Wow. If Jam and Lewis behind that, that's going to cost them a stripe right there. I got to look it up. Ooh, reduction in rank there. <laughs> because that is foul. Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't be a lightweight covering a Prince song, for real. Hell no. <laughs> Yeah, no anyway, way. Um, 
No way. I, have to look. I, I, I gotta look this up. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to find it, but I don't want to stop to do that. Um, uh, what's another bad one? Would be uh, Private Joy, wasn't it, by uh, Latoya Jackson? Ooh. Oh, oh, That's terrible. <laughs> 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 well, you just say that you win by by default. Oh. <laughs> oh. didn't Cindy Laffer cover something? Oh, when she did when you were mine, didn't she on her yeah. breakthrough yeah. album? Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it's terrible. I just kind of remember. Um, mm. Oh, that was bad. Uh, what else? <laughs> Toya. Whew. Yeah. The beautiful ones, uh, Mariah Carey uh, oh. covered. Oh, oh. Mm. Right. She covered that. Was yeah. it like Drew Hill on that? Yeah. 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 Wow. That was tragic. <laughs> <laughs> and what was uh this the live performance by uh Trey Songs? Did he do Purple Rain? Was that what he was doing? Yeah, he kind of mm. slipped that in on the BET Awards and people were like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> it didn't it didn't make sense. He was Prince was even looking at him like, "What the f- is he?" <laughs> 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 hilarious alright um, man so that's, that's been good um, I gotta throw in there too that of course Prince is uh, playing live this weekend at uh, Paisley Park big show uh, sort of seems like he's really starting to focus on the MPG again um, Yeah, they have some sort of snippet of a, was a new song or something out there um Big stuff happening there. Seems very interesting. Um, last thing I want to ask you guys about, and then we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Janelle Monet. I, I think, Brandon, I, I know you, um, I can swear I saw you um, talking about her on Facebook a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I have never really listened to a lot of her stuff. I mean, I know the, what's the big song she had before off the last um, t- the tightrope. Tightrope. I I thought that was dope. You know, I've seen live performances by her. Just man, she's really good. Um, it was just a trip to me. Like, how is she able to have that band, and all these other cats can't have a band? Like, I I like they always talk about it, can't afford it, but she got mad people up there. Like, I'm like <laughs> something not doesn't make sense here. But I did listen to some of this new album that she's got, and. I will say there is maybe one song on there that for me is a cut. I, I'll be like, ah, I'll be playing it all the time. It's um, the song Electric Lady, the title track. Yeah. That song yeah. is dope to me. There's yeah. a performance uh, online. There's a live version where she's performing this on some TV show. And just filthy, man. I was like, a, I, I just like, that's a good song. I know she's had the song with um, Erica Badu came out a little earlier. I kind of thought that was all right. Even the song with Prince on the record, it's all right to me. I like it. But go I ahead, Brandon. It. You 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 know a lot about this. Go ahead. You know what? Yeah, this new album, The Electric Lady, is probably one of the best albums of the year by far for me. Um, I respect the fact that Janelle Monet, at heart, she is a pop artist. But I think on this album, she's really showing different dynamics to her sound, which I, I love. Um, I, I love the whole album. I can't even really pick a, a favorite off of the album. Um, the Arc Android, of course, was a, another great one, but I think she really <laughs> she really outdid herself on this one. I, I can't say too much more about it. She's, the, she's a dynamic performer. The only thing that nit, the only nitpick that I will find in Janelle Monet, is I don't know what the follow after this whole Android thing. I don't know how she's gonna follow this up. Because hmm. I don't. I just don't. I guess the the whole Android storyline of this. I don't know how she's gonna follow it up. I don't know how she's gonna be able to break out of that. Yeah, successfully. I, I, I want. I think she. I would totally respect everything that she's doing. You know, I think it's dope. I like her whole sort of presentation in terms of like you know, I heard her she was on an interview she's talking about she's independent and you know she did do a deal with Puffy but he's pretty much just, just kind of been hands off and let her do whatever she wants to do my only thing I would say I just want to see her be more successful because I think she's super talented and exactly. I think that she may have to come out of her I say comfort zone 
and change the appearance, at least just, I mean, do something that's going to shock people to really take a look at what she's doing. I think she just needs that one cut, that one hit that everybody just wants to, everybody's bumping. And then she can go back to doing her standard look. You know, she always had that same look, da 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 But she's a very beautiful girl. She's very talented. She can dance. And all. But there just needs to be something that the masses could say like, holy shit, this is a dope song. And then she can go back into doing her very sort of underground, in my opinion, sort of very niche thing. You know what? You know what? I think, I think she's done it. I think she did it with um, the dance apocalyptic. I think she did it. I, I think that the problem with her is I don't know how she's marketed at um, Bad Boy or Atlantic. Something's going on. I don't. I think they're putting her in the black department or something, the urban department, because she should, like you said, Mike, she should be out there. Well, I think and too. I, she doesn't have a story. She you does know? have a. She well, does have a story. She does have a story, but I don't think. Well, we don't I think know it. Her music. <laughs> Yeah, I, she she came from humble beginnings. She came from very humble beginnings. Um, she worked with uh, Big Boy Outkast. She was right. um, um, at, at in Atlanta strongly. She was um, selling her first album, her first first album, out of the trunk of her car. Right. So but she I, came no, from but, very. But I'm saying very okay. I'm saying a story that people can relate to. So her struggle of being an artist, people don't necessarily relate to that. Like everybody is sort of you know, had to do what they had to do to make the music and it was hard, you know, trying to get the deal. And I respect that, but I don't think it doesn't, it doesn't relate to the people and, or they don't see anything in her that they see themselves as opposed to, you know, a Rihanna or one of these girls. Like, so Rihanna's story is she is that fantasy uh, girl. That's a star that is doing relationships and getting in all this sort of stuff. And those young girls can sort of, I wish that was me. And they sort of relate to that. Even if her music is whack, they are more fans of her than they probably are of her music. But I just think that Janelle doesn't have any sort of thing that those girls can relate to because they can't relate to the Android story. I mean, I think what she's doing is dope, but I don't think they see that. I don't think they... Go ahead. I I think she has a smaller audience. Like, for someone like me, I can... Because, you know, I I think with Janelle, and I hate to say this... But she appeals to a smaller indie black, you know, heady book bag. Sure, I get uh, it. Backpacker audience. I, I and I get what you're saying, Mike, about the pop. She because she should be blown up. I don't know how they're marketing her. I I don't think I think her subject matter is heady to especially this album. Uh, I, critics have been tearing it apart. I mean, the the people who really loved. The last album, Dark mm-hmm. Android, they're tearing the Electric Lady apart. I mean, they're saying, well, why does she have these skits? But the skits play an important role to the album. She's bringing this black, you know, symb- um, symbolic, you know, um, civil rights movement vibe to those those uh, interludes. The one interlude she has is the Chrome Shop, which is her own imagination of the barbershop, the, the black... Mm-hmm. You know, barbershop. I mean, but maybe it's too much for the to say the white pop heads out there. But I think I think she has a small little independent audience. I, no, I agree I, with I you. Think she does. you know, I, I agree, but I think I think even just on the R and B pop audience, it does not. Oh, of course. They know who she is, but right. they're not buying that record. They're, they're not, not playing that music because exactly. it's, it's on some other stuff. And I just I just wish she was a little. Because I want her to continue to keep going. Like, I don't know what her deal is in terms of, I mean, this is like a third or fourth sort of album release. And I know none of them are big sellers. I don't know how more they're going to continue to give her. Because I think she has great um, pub. I mean, I see her on all these different radio things and she's on these TV shows. But I'm like, you know, I I talked to my girlfriend, like she, you know, is into a lot of current R&B and and black pop and she knows who she is but has never heard any of her music and doesn't right. seem to care like it's just she can't relate to it for whatever reasons and i kind of think a lot of those a lot of the young girls like probably janelle's age that may not be her target i, mean, I don't know maybe she is trying to target that i think she is but i don't think they they don't they, they see it as sort of 
I guess, weird or something. Like, they don't... Right, you know what I mean? right. It's, it's kind of like, you know, she she's a she's a genre shifter in a way she yeah. grabs at all these jo- different genres and that that's another big issue for the typical pop r&b head you know who's not really they're not really into that type of stuff but for me i you know me personally for someone who just loves and appreciates music i get where she's coming from yeah. um her image she is the image of a cover girl which is a big big mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. I, I think uh, for black women in general, but I, I, like you said, Mike, I wish that she would get that pop push like, you know, Rihanna and the rest of these girls are getting because it's so unfortunate. She's going to, she's going to have a tough road ahead of her. I can already see it. It's almost like this album or her, it's like every album is around the world in the day and she has still have yet to have made, you know, like the Purple Rain or even the controversy or, you know, the album that everybody was, okay, after you have a pass, like she hasn't had a, had a pass yet, but she's doing the more avant-garde out the gate. (laughs) Right. Essentially she's made her dirty mind type record. She, you know, she did that with the arc Android. And I think the, the EP, uh, the Metropolis, she's had that underground success and it kind of, you know what? She's a more of a critic's darling than a, you know, the person that's just going to make hits, 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 hits. She She's going to be on the top of the... When they talk about R&B, the guys who love rock are going to pick her out of uh, someone like a Chris Brown. She's, she's going to be that girl. She's going to be that person who they're going to say, okay, she had the best R&B, she had the best album of 2010. I, I think she had the top album with the Arc Android. She was that girl who really broke out a lot of people uh, from both r&b and pop probably didn't hear it until probably after the grammys when she was with bruno mars but she you know she has a very interesting road ahead of her like like you said mike she has to really have her breakthrough moment for the people who are more of a watered down audience who probably not into that type of heady you know, Android story that she's giving. Yeah, but I think the thing that saves her, uh, she can go throw down live. Yeah. Her live performance (laughs) is out the ballpark and she can continue to tour and whether them records sell or not, I'll go see, and people will probably go see her live because that's a good-ass show. Um, Q-Storm, I I think you were trying to cut in a little earlier. No, I I was just going to say... Brandon, you had mentioned that um, the critics that liked her previous album are tearing this one apart. I was just going to say that all the few reviews I've read, they they can't get enough of this album. Well, but but I think with this particular album, particularly the Entertainment Weekly, I can't remember what publication it was, but they went in on this album. I, I didn't mean to say everybody because it, it is getting universal praise. But I think the general consensus is that why did she add these skits on here? And I'm like, well, the skits are very important to the album, the concept itself. I mean, it's not I think there's still a storyline with this album. I'm not trying to go too deeply into it, but I think that the skits explain the story. And I think I think that's where the critics are kind of missing it to me, in my opinion. But that's, you know, I think what she's doing, she's bringing she's trying to create this world within the um, metropolis as this new Afro futurist black America. And it's, to me, it's dope. When you really get into the story, you really have to listen to the previous ones to really uh, up to now to really get it. But to me, it's a great concept. I don't, you know, either way, I, I, I love the skits. So. All right. Chanel <laughs> Monet, who was rumored to make an appearance at this uh, Paisley Park thing. So with that, we're going to wrap this up. This has basically been Prince Podcast, basically. So I think (laughs) think that's what I'm going to title it. So we'll we'll call it at that. Uh, Brandon, thank you for coming through, sir. Last minute. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Um, Add a lot. Q Storm, Big Sexy. That's the family. We're going to stay here. Um, we're going to stop this show. We're going to say good night to everybody. See you next time. And then we are going to start up the Geeked Out. So we'll see you next time. Peace. All right. Thank you, Brandon. 
Thank Robin you. Robin Thicke uh, produced the uh, song for Jordan Knight. Really? Really? Which makes perfect sense because he's a fake ass too. Wow, that <laughs> is funny. I, I had no idea. I don't know why I thought it was Jim.